of your eye, huddled in the darkest shadows of imagination, it waits. Now is the time to face the fear. Welcome to Horror Lasagna. Embrace the trepidation. bonus episode which wow crazy we got season four coming up whole new slew of movies getting ready and this is an interesting bonus because it's it fits with our theme but it's a little different and it was a brilliant idea that you had it's funny because the only reason i really had the idea we were talking about our house and at one point in time jordan peele came up in conversation and you were so excited about talking about get out and i thought wow steve really likes this movie let's make this a bonus episode but let's not just do that movie because he's a i don't want to say he's a younger director because he's eight years younger than us but he's early in his career he's only directed three films right and so we could actually do an entire jordan peele retrospective and it wouldn't cause us to lose weeks of our life no. And what fit, though, was the three movies that we're going to do, Us, Get Out, and Nope, are Culture Clash movies, which he focuses on. Yeah. So that's kind of his thing. So they fit really well. And I did all three of them. I liked Get Out the first time I saw it, not quite as much second time. And Us, I liked the first time and I appreciated it more the second. I don't know where you want to start. We'll just kick off. We'll just start talking about stuff and we can both change and move on whatever it sounds you and i are very much on the same page with these so far just from talking to just from hearing you talk jordan peele was born in 79 uh, in new york city when he was seven year old seven years old his father left and he was raised in manhattan by his mother then his father died in 99 but jordan hadn't seen him that entire time since he left when he was seven. He had gone to the Calhoun School in Manhattan's Upper West Side, which is a private school for kids. And he secured a scholarship to go to Sarah Lawrence College. But after two years, he left. So he didn't actually finish his degree. He did a lot of work at Second City, which seems to be like a great launching place for comedians. Yeah, especially comedians comedians who do a lot of improv but he started there and he got a gig on mad tv and the gig from mad tv led to key and peel and then he did a few typical kind of guest spots on like csi and that kind of thing not csi but those kind of shows where he'd pop in for an episode and then pop back out and then he decided he wanted to try directing movies and his first one was get out Okay. I thought Us was first, but okay, I guess that makes sense. Get Out was first. He got 360 award nominations from that movie. And of those 360, 151 were wins. And he is one of only six horror movies in history to have been nominated for Best Picture. And well-deserved, I think. It definitely takes you... Where do you really start talking about the movie? It is classified as horror but it is not horror like most people are very used to there's not really a lot of jump scares that's not the focus the story overall it's not even atmosphere it's a modern almost literary movie until you get about halfway through there's all three of them share very common elements they have things in them it's i likened it to a good murder mystery like agatha christie or something that if you read it, there's clues sprinkled throughout, but you don't know their clues until later. And right. then you think about it. And all three of these movies are, when you're done, it's not like, oh, that was good. I love that. It's, okay, now I have to process this movie. <laughs> I have to think about it. And then when you see it, it's, oh my gosh, there's a clue. That's a clue. This, And that's why I was so excited about Get Out, because it was so different. It's a little bit of mystery, a little bit of gothic horror because the story and the happenings are the horror part. There's not, yeah. and the monsters aren't monsters always. Yeah. In this case, the monsters are the people. Except for um, the last one, 
for kinda. Oh, I was still. I was just thinking. Yeah, just on Get Out. out. Yes, definitely Get Out and Us. Yeah, there is a history of successful African American horror movies, and one of the first ones that people point to is Night of the Living Dead, which Romero did not intend originally for that to be a movie about race. And when they were doing the casting, the guy who the African-American guy who tried out, he was like, you're perfect. And he cast him for it. And then as the movie went on, he's wow, this movie takes on an entirely different meaning with this guy here. And so it's often frequently pointed to as a very early example of an African-American horror film because you have this African-American guy who is in a cabin with a bunch of rednecks, basically in the middle of rural Pennsylvania during a zombie apocalypse, which, yeah, that sounds pretty frightening to me too. And I love the fact that people read into these creative endeavors, whether it's books, movies, music, whatever, what they want in them. And I, and that's how it is. And I love the fact that so many times when you talk to the creator of it and say, Oh, you know, this, that, and the other thing, they're like, yeah, no, I just thought it'd be a good scene, a good piece of it. They don't always think, and I love the fact that to Romero, it wasn't, oh, I have to get a black guy in here. And I know I, I could get ripped apart for this, but that's where our world's at right now, not for ill or bad, but people are pointing out, look, even 30, 40 years, 50 years ago for Living Dead, it was done without even thought and it became something it wasn't meant to be, but in a good way. But we're still having the struggle with that. And they're having to now beat it over your head. So, and that's what Peel, he, he makes a point of that. That's part of the underlying tone to the movies is these are awesome movies. They're great movies. And the fact that it's pretty much the heroes are the all black cast parts of it, that he is making a point with that. But to me, as the movie watcher, I, I don't care, white, black or everything, though I do like that he's able to get that out and be that successful in today's world. We need to get past the racism part of this and just enjoy it for what it is. And I also made a point that pretty much in all three of them, the white people in the movie are usually clods and pretty stupid and they're getting, the black people are definitely showing them up on every level. Hey, I'm not arguing it. I thought they were great movies and if he's using that to make his political statement, all the more power to him. <laughs> yeah, there's a few more just to throw out there in case people who are listening to this haven't actually delved into African-American horror movies, Ganja and Hess from the early seventies is again, kind of a vampire movie that I actually enjoyed. It's a really good film. What country um, is that from? Is that American? Yeah, it's an American film. Really? Cause just yep. cause of the names in the title. That's interesting. Yeah. The zombies of sugar Hill. Is another good one. Tales from the Hood. I watched Tales from the Hood 2 as well, and I found that really heavy-handed, but the first one I thought was pretty good. Is that, okay, it, horror movie, not monsters or anything. Is it, what type of genre? A Tales from the Hood is an anthology. Okay. So it's like four, three, or no, it's probably four or five different shorts. And it's everything from haunted, uh, now I'm just thinking of the second one where it was like a haunted whipping post kind of thing and things like that in a museum and how people interact with it and stuff like that. Because so, I've never seen that one. I didn't realize it was a horror anthology. Okay. Yeah. The first one I thought was good. The second one, yeah, I, you could take or leave it. Candyman, of course, amazing. The first one was amazing. I have yet to see the remake. I haven't I've, seen it either. I heard it got panned a little bit. One yeah. of these days I was take a look and see but honestly can you really name very much that doesn't get panned today that's yeah. like all people focus on yeah and you could make the case that attack the block even though it's not up. american it's british but there's still a marginalized society in england in london you could argue not necessarily it's the poor people and yeah that's true but the majority of the poor people who are crammed into those yeah. those living those housing towers are of african descent again it's the the white people are <laughs> getting eaten whereas the black kid the hoods the whatever ghetto gangsters whatever you want to call the kids in the movie they're the ones keep their heads and get everything yeah. so district nine arguably could be too that was at kenya or something back in the day it's sci-fi but it's got it's some horror south, south africa yeah which makes it even more prescient with its history of apartheid yes and the apartheid that's being performed on the aliens yes yeah i think that was partially the point and i remember that was huge movie when it came out too 
Yeah. But Get Out really brought a new renaissance to it when it came out recently because again, Attack the Block was a very small, a small release. Right. If you want to go back and not talking about like the Spike Lees of the world, you're talking the horror movie region, you've got to go back like the Candyman to find this new format and get out brought us up to the present. Nice. Yeah. Overall, these are like it, it, now when I see, oh, Jordan Peele has a new movie. I'm going to go see it. Overall, yeah. that's exactly what it is. Even though Nope is a little more disappointed in than the other two. I just hope he doesn't turn out like night where it's, wow, I had a really couple good ones. And now I'm kind of like, hit and miss. yeah. <laughs> so we can do that now, actually. Like I saw Get Out as a study in racism. Yes. And it, it's not just a study in the racism that's happening on screen. It's a study of institutional racism and it's brought to bear and spelled out in the screen. Yes. And it could have been almost could have been a like a historical timepiece. It could have been set in the 1900s and sure. early and been right after somewhere after right after the Civil War. And these they're keeping this tradition and everything going. But I think it's even more disturbing to bring it into modern, and they're just so accepting of it. And there's a lot of points, like when they're talking about, oh, with your framework and your genetic heritage, you could do this. And it's some misconceptions, some falsehoods. And I think that's what movies, horror, we've talked about before, bring that stuff to light. You can bring these things out and hit people over the head better than you could a non-horror movie and sci-fi does the same thing quite often yeah and honestly the first time i watched get out it, i loved it the second time i watched it knowing what you know about it as you go into it it started to feel heavy-handed to me it started to feel a little bit preachy and i realized as i was watching it that i was an audience for it but i wasn't the audience for it. <laughs> yeah now us on the other hand I see as a movie about fear of the other. And okay. everyone at some point in time can relate to that. So yes. I found it a much more universal theme. The fact that you know, the main stars were African-American was almost incidental. It didn't really make that much difference to the overall tone of the story. And the concept there being there's this secret underlying thing that has been oppressed for a very long time so we should be scared of it even though we don't really understand what its intentions are or what it's gone through and then when you get to the end it turns out that it's been with us the whole time yes so i thought us was much more successful as a movie to reach a broader audience than get out was and i can definitely see that us when the theme the overall story I feel is nature versus nurture, which is the, which succeeds and doesn't make a difference because when you find out the twist and he loves that too, there's always that twist. You're not always expecting, but it's all planned out and you see it right there and it's, oh man, really done. And what you're saying about watching it again, it has elements of a murder mystery because once you've seen it and you know who killed him, the next time you watch the movie, it's just not as interesting. These are the same way. Once you know all the little things to look for, especially get out when the, all the rich white people are talking and then you understand what they're really talking about and all the reasons they act the way they do. It makes it a little more disturbing, but also not as engaging. Yeah. But yes, us, it, I also see it as a statement of we have these oppressed people that have been under your boot heels your whole life and you didn't realize it. And now they're rising up and it's destroying the world. <laughs> and I don't think Peel's trying to say we're going to destroy the world or anything, but it changes the world, if nothing else. But that's the funny thing is that if you look at what they were trying to accomplish in us and how it would actually affect people, they were trying to do the hands across America thing. It wouldn't actually do anything if we had just let it happen. <laughs> So it's one of those kind of things where this fear of the other makes you terrified. So even if they move, you freak out, which actually turns out worse for you than if you just would have let things 
go on about their business. That's true. With the twist and anyone that hasn't seen it, sorry, you're just getting spoilers. We've never no, tried to sure. hold that back. But with the twist, knowing that the mastermind of the whole thing was originally a topside girl and that she planned all of this to come up and change things. And the one that was leading the normal life was originally an underside girl and she fought back thinking of the dynamics between those two. And I'd also like to point out the only person that talked was her, the one that was topside. And that's where I started thinking nature versus nurture because nobody else talked, especially the guys. They were, uh, uh. and I, I was like, yeah. there's this kind of statement too: the strong women in the show, as opposed to the stupid guys that follow them. I'm like, that's yeah. a statement or not take it as you will it's your interpretation and then you take a look at nope and nope at first i'm watching it then i'm like this is actually a movie about being afraid of not living up to the status of your past yes but then it morphed and it just became this catch-all it was like he was just throwing everything <laughs> at the screen yeah i think that was part of it my because I was the least impressed with Nope the first time watching it. And I think because he was trying something new with what, and I did that, he changed that alien supernatural aspect. It's that, hey, this could be creatures and this is how they would react. And one of the things I picked up the second time, I didn't really pick up on Glenn from Walking Dead, his character, I forget his yeah. name. He was involved in the TV show with the chimpanzee that went crazy. And he, was trying to work with the alien, but he still didn't know how, and he screwed things up. Whereas the people that really knew how to work with animals understood what was going on, the alien. And and there's a couple little messages there, but like you've said, it wasn't as strong of a statement. It wasn't a bad horror movie, but after the last two, this one felt a little disappointing. The kind of theme of it was like like the meme, F around and find out. Like... (laughs) The whole thing with the chimpanzee, you're not supposed to make direct eye contact with the chimpanzee. They see it as aggressive. And so it freaks out and kills everybody. The same thing with the giant saucer creature. You're not supposed to acknowledge its presence. And if you do, you're going to take it off. And then you have to take advantage of that if you're going to survive. But honestly, if you just wouldn't have paid any attention to it in the first place, you'd have been fine. And Colin, his assessment when he first saw it was that he liked it better than Get Out and Us. He thought that Get Out and Us were too, I guess, easy to figure out what was going on, which Get Out, I was clued in. I was like, okay, I'm getting an idea. It wasn't, I thought it was just slaves or something. I still hadn't put everything together with altering people. Whereas us, especially because trying to figure out what the damn rabbits were for. (laughs) Yeah, that one had me confused until it all came out. And I was the opposite. I thought Us and Get Out were better the first time I saw them than Nope was. So again, that could be also a thing. He's able to do movies that appeal to different people too, that that he changes. He's trying to improve. Does he always hit the mark? Whoever does. But I would still say Get Out is better than a lot of other (laughs) movies that have been out in the last couple of years. Oh, gosh. Yeah. (laughs) And it also might be like a generational thing too. Yeah. Because I know like my kids will be sitting in the living room watching something on the screen here, watching something on their laptop and their phone while they're doing their homework. And so maybe if you have a movie where you're throwing tons of stuff in, it plays their, the AD nature of today's society <laughs> right? <laughs> where you have to have just a million things to look at all the time, as opposed to us more so than get out. It was much more of a nuanced kind of thing. There's like this very subtle, it was a, there was action in it, But like the overall story was very subtle and quiet. You had to tease it out of the action that was happening around it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And the thing I said earlier about all the white people were basically stupid and falling into whatever for the movies, that one using Stephen Yun, his character, now you got Asian too. So, you know, Hey, if not, if you're going to get offended, he's at least spreading it around. So there you go. Let's break these down a little bit. We'll start with get out it. The cast in this movie were amazing. Yeah. Daniel Kaluuya, you know, him from Dr. Who black mirror kick ass to black Panther. Honestly, his, his character in black Panther is probably the least 
that I liked of all the other characters that he has on his CV. <laughs> Allison Williams played Rose. She was in the Mindy Project, The Perfection. If you haven't seen The Perfection, we should put that on a list too. That's okay. The first time I saw previews for it, I was like, yeah, they're trying too hard. And then I watched the movie and I was like, no, you know what? That was actually pretty good. So she's no, she's no stranger to this kind of horror genre. Bradley Whitford. I've always been a fan of Bradley Whitford. He plays, does such a good job. He plays Dean in this movie. He does such a good job of playing the earnest, sincere person. Yes. All, all he, the time. He was one of my favorite characters out of all three of the movies. Yeah. Daniel Kaluuya had been in 47 movies. Allison Williams had been in 15. Bradley Whitford had been in 133. Yeah, he's the veteran on set. And everybody knows him from West Wing, but he was on Tales from the Dark Side. He was on episodes of The X-Files. He was in Cabin in the Woods, Godzilla, King of Monsters. He's no stranger to the horror genre. But then he's everything else. Felicity, ER, Frasier, Malcolm in the Middle, Parks and Rec, The West Wing, Monk. He's been in a billion different things. Wow. Catherine Keener plays Misty. She is also not a stranger to horror movies. She had been in 85 films. And it's really interesting to me because she's one of those people that you can look at and say, I recognize her, but you're not sure what from. We've had a lot of those. We get that a lot with the, what we choose. But she was an eight millimeter. Oh, okay. Um, wow. That, which that... I was like, holy cow, there's a movie I haven't thought about in a long time. Yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> But it's one you remember. You, you re, it, it sticks with you. Yeah. She's also in Sicario, Day of the Soldado. And she was in Brand New Cherry Flavor. Oh. Um, so Caleb Landry-Jones played Jeremy. He's been in 35 different films. He was in No Country for Old Men, Breaking Bad, both of which seem to fit his character type in Get Out. He was also in The Last Exorcism, which is not a bad horror, found footage horror flick. And he was in Byzantium from wow, season really? one. Huh. He was the kid who had the cough. He was the one who had bleeding from the lungs. Oh, wow. Okay. Didn't and he then click. the daughter takes him off to become a vampire. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yep. Nice. Marcus Henderson plays Walter, a great character. He was also in Insidious, The Last Key. So he's also not a stranger to horror films. 34 films titles. Also, Django Unchained is the next probably largest title on there which is another movie to point out since we're talking about these because Django was interesting back in the 60s and they've redone that there because he was a black cowboy a black bounty hunter he was a badass and that's another nod to something of the past that started and now we've got all these with Jordan Peele and others so there's another one to yeah. look at if you step outside of the horror realm it's a lot more prevalent yeah. than when you're talking about horror movies because you have every movie Samuel L. Jackson is in is like a nod to Shaft, right? <laughs> yeah, including his Bad remake of Shaft. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Betty Gabriel plays Georgina. She's been in 23 different films and that's not a whole lot, but it includes like The Purge, Election Year, Unfriended, computer internet horror film, Dark Web, internet wow. horror film she was in westworld she was in the twilight zone so she's been in a lot of high tension kind she's of a stuff. scream queen basically <laughs> i guess so yeah lakeith stanfield played andre logan king he was in the purged anarchy he's been in 44 other films which included straight out of compton uncut gems knives out and bojack horseman we only got two more steven root the guy is just gonna end up typecast as a blind guy and he can <laughs> see which is just weird <laughs> Because everybody knows him from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Right. As the blind radio station owner. Then he's blind in this one. He was in some episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was in a movie rendering of the lottery. And I first saw him in news radio. He was oh, the station wow. manager in news radio. But he's been in a billion. He's been in 268 films. So. A lot of in TV. I've seen him on several different shows. Lots of TV, yeah. yeah. Lil Ray Howery plays Rod Williams. And he was also in Bird Box. So of the 52 oh. movies that he has, he's got another horror movie on his resume as well. That one's on my list to watch, which I haven't gotten to, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, Bird Box? Yeah. The title for this movie was inspired by Eddie Murphy's bit on Delirious. 
<laughs> we um, were just talking about Eddie Murphy yesterday. That's funny. I'm not going to, because at one point in time, I could recite it word for word. And I don't think I have that in me anymore. But the basic gist of it was he didn't understand why white people would go into a haunted house, see it's haunted, and then not leave. Because if it was African American people in the house, right. as soon as somebody said "get out," they'd be like, "We're gone." Yeah, We're right. Leaving. Yeah. And so that was where he got the idea for the title. And he said when he was writing it, first he didn't think this movie would ever be made. Wow. But he always pictured it being watched in a theater with lots of people around you yelling at the screen. So that was the environment that he pictured people seeing this movie. After Get Out came out, it was so acclaimed. UCLA actually had a class on on the movie. And so Peel went to the movie, uh, went to the class in disguise and sat in the back. And nobody noticed. And then the professor asked what they thought the director meant about some specific scene. <laughs> and some people threw out some ideas. And then he raised his hand and said something. And everyone, oh, my gosh. And he, like, spent the next two and a half hours hanging out with the class talking about the movie. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I know what he was thinking there. It was filmed in Fairhope and Mobile, Alabama, mostly because of taxes and budget. Shannon and I just recently went to Fairhope. It's absolutely stunning little town right at the bay where the river comes out. And we had a great time while we were down there. I would have never recognized it. But it was supposed to have been shot in L.A. He, the whole movie was shot in 23 days. Wow. Yeah. So wow. They're moving at a good clip. Yeah, I'll just throw up my soapbox for a moment. We get these movies that are like months of filming and post-production and stuff sometimes, whereas yeah. here's one with very little special effects, and it's also a very strong story, and look how acclaimed and everything it is. Sometimes we forget the basis of the movies, I think. That's my soapbox for the moment. No, and I agree with it, and that's one of the things that's... I've been chewing on lately. It's if you're going to make a movie, make sure that the story is good. And then the movie supports the story. So you're right. actually just telling a story. You're just doing it through the medium of the movie. But if you're going to adapt someone else's story, a book, a comic book series or whatever, that's been around for a long time, you need to make sure the budget is there to bring it up to the level of what the people remember from seeing it on the page. Uh, yes, very much. And I think sometimes that gets in the way of filmmakers when they're making these movies. Agreed. And one of the things he does so well in all of these movies is the characters and their job and some of the offshoot people. Cause like the friend that works for the TSA, when do you ever see a goofball friend working for the TSA and like he brings it up, he talks to the cops. We get training too. Dude, you work at the airport patting people down. He's very, but he's the only one that believes his friend and he puts himself out there and goes and saves him. Of the day. Yeah. And the Stephen Yun in Nope, he runs a carnival show out West. Yeah, sideshow kind of thing. Yeah, it's just Interesting settings, locations, and people in these movies in lots of ways you don't see very often and hear about. Yeah. The opening scene, this, when I watched it the second time, this really stood out to me because this is the second time I'd watched it, but it was after you and I have had conversations. And so I was watching it and he had originally wanted it to start. So the neighborhood looked like the neighborhood in Halloween. And he did a good job. If you think about the opening of Halloween, yeah. it had that same feel. And in Halloween, there are no black people in Halloween. The movie is very white. It was made in 1976. It makes a little more sense when you look at it historically. But that's he wanted it to look like that. My problem with it was as soon as it started, I'm like, this is a absolutely 100% typical american made horror movie because it's going to start off with some crazy act in the first five minutes and you're going to have this guy who is over explaining stuff for the entire time he's walking down the street i get that you're nervous you're in a white neighborhood at night you don't have to sit there and be narrating it as you're walking along <laughs> about how nervous you are 
that's just you playing to the camera thinking that your audience isn't smart enough to make that leap so you have that you have the car you have the brother come out you have him choke him out throw him in the car and he takes off and then the movie starts from there but when i saw it i was just like this is such an american-made horror movie right here being his first he probably didn't want to push too far but that's really the only point after that there in all three of the movies they he you better keep up and you better be thinking about everything he's shown you because yeah. it's but again all three of them too they start out that opening sequence you, you're mostly going what the heck is going on what does this got to do with the movie and then you forget about it until later and then you're like oh my gosh the, i see how it all clicks and so he does that very well it's true. It, in fact, Get Out, the opening was so much more of a letdown for me. Because when you watch Us, the opening to Us, there is this undercurrent of, I don't know what the hell's going on here. It felt like a Stephen King novel, probably because it was the carnival set on the side of the ocean. And you had kids walking around right. in the fun houses kind of thing. But the entire thing goes through and when the opening's done you're left with more questions than you have answers for absolutely as opposed to the opening of get out which is oh this black guy's in a white neighborhood someone's going to choke him out and throw him in his car that tracks because that actually happens you know <laughs> what i mean that's as horrific as that is you can actually make a case for that in the real world but whatever happened to that girl in the funhouse which arguably would get out the beginning. And again, don't want to make this sound like, oh, we're used to that or, oh, we expect it. But in a lot of ways, making it so people understand it and are very comfortable with that in that bad situation, because we've seen it in movies, so it doesn't upset people. It makes the rest of it even more disturbing. It does. It's not typical. And once you see what actually happened to the guy who got captured, it makes it even worse. And, and someone I mean, even brings this up about, oh, her methods of getting people here seem a little better than his methods. And you, when you get down to it, you're like, wow, I'm not really sure if her methods are any better because <laughs> he was really yeah. pretty messed up. Yeah, we'll jump to the cast. We'll just do the cast for all three movies. Okay. In Us, Peter Nugent. Nyong'o was in it. She played Adelaide. She's a, an amazing actor. She's been in 27 different things. 12 Years a Slave, The Force Awakens, The Jungle yep. Book, The Last Jedi, Black Panther, Rise of the Skywalker, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Not necessarily a big horror pedigree there, but she proved that she didn't need to have one in this movie. And she was so super fantastic. All of them were because they had to play two parts. And especially her and the daughter were fantastic playing the two parts as completely different from each other. The way they acted, yeah. I, it was very impressive. Winston Duke plays Gabe, Adelaide's husband, and he's been with her in movies before. Yeah. Because he was also in Black Panther and Wakanda Forever, Infinity War, Endgame. He's only been in 12 other films total. He's only been in 12 films total. If you look at his resume for only being in 12 films, you're going to pick 12 films. <laughs> he could probably retire at this point already. Three of them as as Marvel films and then a Jordan Peele film. Elizabeth Moss, she's been in 89 films. She's been in a lot. She plays Kitty. She was in Girl Interrupted, The Missing, West Wing, The Attic, Mad Men, Chuck, The Invisible Man. She is the handmaid in The Handmaid's Tale. She's oh, Fred. Okay. Tim Heidecker plays Josh. He's been in 106 movies. He is the heavy hitter in this one. But most of the stuff he's been in is, he was in Bridesmaids. It was in the Eastbound and Down, Fantastic Four, and I don't oh, think wow. it was the good one. Okay. He was in Ant-Man and Wasp. And a lot of people from the Marvel showing up on this list. Uh. I'm looking at it. Shahadi Wright Joseph played Zora, and she did a great job. She'd only been in six movies, and one of them was, I think it was the live action of The Lion King. Oh, so okay. So she had a role in there. Evan Alex played Jason, the brother. He's been in 23 different things. Wow. Including voiceover for Baby Avengers and on Sesame Street. Oh. Which is a cool thing yeah. to have on your resume. Yeah. If I, we ever meet him, I'd love to talk to him about Sesame Street, what that's like. Yeah. 
Yehaya Abdul played Russell. He's been on Baywatch, Handmaid's Tale. He was in Aquaman, Black Mirror, Watchmen, Candyman, the remake, and The Matrix Resurrections. He's been in 18 total films there. Anna Diop plays Rain. She was in 24 Legacy. And she's in Titans, the live-action HBO series. Okay. Oh, is she Starfire? She's Starfire, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it, we could do a whole episode just on that show because I, I loved, I loved the comics, I loved the animated movie, and I saw this thing coming out, and I'm like, that's not really the Titans, and I kind of like it. I just wish they'd have called it something else, uh, it's like The Shining, right? Kubrick's movie, it's great, but you should have just called it something about a hotel. Crazy hotel. Yeah. My again, my take uh, as a quick offshoot on comics versus the movies that are coming out. I consider. Two different worlds. We talk multiverse in DC and Marvel so much and how there's changes and differences. It's just two different worlds. They're just very close parallel. So I just take it as it is and try and enjoy them for what I get. And honestly, I think I would enjoy them less if it was like frame for frame remake of comic stories or whatever. Yeah. And sometimes if they try and do it frame by frame, Sin City. Yeah them trying to do it frame by frame was actually kind of acting from the rest of the movie a little bit. So the last two people from us that we're going to talk about are Ellie Sheldon and Noel Sheldon. They have a bit part. They play the twins. Okay. Becca and Lindsay, they both played Emma Geller green from friends. They were oh. their actual twins that they used to play as the baby, the baby when they were filming friends. And whenever one of them would be tired, the other one would go out on stage and the other one would be down. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. Callie's been in eight different things and Noel's been in 11. So they're still working. They're not working a lot, but I thought that was cool. Uh, honestly, also, that'd be rough growing up in the actor industry. Very well, with rough. the twin. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, because there'd always be that whole competition thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I also love how when us starts, Monkey Paw Productions, which is the name of Jordan Peele's production thing, has a logo now. It didn't back when oh, it, I didn't it was notice. doing it out. So the logo is this monkey's paw stirring a coffee cup, just like the mother does in Get Out. I was like, that's really nice. I was wondering if the monkey's paw, the old story, is what inspired him to do some horror movies. Because he's been a it comedian, be. and all of a sudden he's doing horror. So maybe it's what he's always wanted to do. Yeah. Then the cast for Nope. Um, Daniel Kaluuya's in this. Again. He yeah. plays OJ. We know what he's been in. Kiki Palmer plays Emerald. She does a great job there. She's been in a, she's been in a hundred different a hundred different films, which floored me. And then I started thinking maybe I shouldn't be so surprised because it's like Barbershop 2, which is not a series I watch as a middle-aged right. white guy. She was in Medea's Family Reunion. Which um, I do like the Medea movies. They crack me up for the most part. She also does voiceover from like Ice Age and stuff, oh. which I never tied in with her. She was on Key and Peele's show and she was on Scream Queens. So there's a little horror pedigree for her. Yeah. Steven Yuen plays Jupe. He's been in 47 things, including The Walking Dead, which is all the more horror pedigree <laughs> you need. Really. He got his brains um, bashed in with a bat. Come on. Brandon Perea plays Angel. He was on one episode of Doom Patrol. Speaking of HBO series, I've yeah. enjoyed the Doom Patrol. I haven't watched um, it, but I hear high, good things about it. Michael Wincott plays Antlers. He's been in 66 films going back a ways, like Born on the 4th of July, back a ways. Yeah. The Doors, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He was in The Crow. Yep, that's the he two I Dead remember Man. him from. Yeah. Yep. Dead Man, Alien Resurrection, Westworld. Ren Schmidt plays Amber. She's been in 26 films, projects. The Americans is probably the one the title you'd probably recognize her most from. Devon Gray plays Ryder. He was on American Horror Story, The Flash. Terry Notary plays Gordy. Terry Notary was also in Cabin in the Woods. And Barbie Ferreira plays Nessie, who she was also in Euphoria. But for me, the star of the movie who dies in the first five movie minutes has to be Keith David. 
Yeah, absolutely. Keith David's been in 347 films. Wow, yeah. Projects, it's not just movies. He started in 1979 with a movie called The Disco Godfather. Uh, he nice. Was in the, yeah, he was in the original thing. Yeah. He was on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh, Oh my gosh, I think I remember him on there. Yeah, now that you say it. Wow. Yep. Okay. He was in Platoon, Roadhouse, Armageddon, There's Something About Mary, Spawn, the TV series, Pitch Black. Love that movie. Oh, yeah, he was, right. And the Chronicles of Riddick, Barbershop, ER, Smiley, which is a slasher, a goofy slasher film, Community, Tales from the Hood, Part 2, and... The voiceover work this guy does, you can't even you can't even start to list it. I think he was There's at a so con much. that Colin went to, and he was very excited because of so many of the characters he likes that Keith David had done. So, and I appreciated the opening to Nope better than I did the opening to Get Out oh. because it was it left you with this giant mystery right. where it's raining pennies and. and nails and stuff you're like what in the hell and the fact that it kills keith david at the start sad to see him go but an interesting way to go out also from the supernatural world oh we explained it because some plane going over must have just dropped this stuff really what plane has all of these a watch and keys and a nickel and stuff that they're just losing out was there luggage did you find anything more was there an actual plane would have said something yeah. So it's, and this is what, when Colin was involved with that all the time, people were like, oh, that was just this. And really, that doesn't explain everything. It just puts your mind at ease. So that was, I liked that he did that because it showed he really got into understanding what would make this a good alien supernatural type movie. Yeah. The general gist of the movies, if you don't know, you should have watched it by now because we're going to be spoiling it anyways. And we got about 30 minutes. So. It'll be quick overviews. Exactly. So in Get Out, you have uh, an African-American guy and his white girlfriend, and they're going to her family's, and they get there. And one of the things that I really appreciate about this, but I appreciate how he did it better in Us, is how everyday stuff that happens, he can make it seem creepy. Yes. (laughs) So... You can have the the maid, for lack of a better word, the housekeeper, just standing at her window looking out at night. And just the amount of time the camera lingers on her is enough to be like, what the hell's going on? It make it makes you feel unsettled. Yeah. Like you can have sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say you can have the groundskeeper come running out of the darkness straight <laughs> yeah. at you and then just veer off to the side, not say a word take off and he's so good at that it's again every little thing it's very dense and loaded but even the little things will come back and mean something and they mentioned the jesse owens thing and then you see the guy running and then when you find out what he really is it makes it 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 just keeps ratcheting up and and he is very good at that in the storytelling aspect yeah the worst character probably actually the worst point to get out for me was the brother because he is so two-dimensional yeah he's just like absolutely nothing but a stereotypical bro <laughs> and there's nothing else to him all the other characters have some depth and like the daughter she's the honeypot she's the the wicker man trap yeah but she still plays like the ingenue she plays the innocent all the way through and then there's this underlaying part to her. And Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> no. Rocket um, appears. <laughs> yeah. Bradley Whitford. Whit- Whitford. Yeah. He does such a great job as being like your typical woke guy who doesn't even realize how offensive he's being. A typical dad type stuff. Oh, I would have voted for Brock again. And oh, it just, yeah, the things he says. I made me like, oh, dude, what are you saying? Look at my collection of all these things that I've taken from all around the world of all these cultures that I appreciated. That's great, but you just stole from them. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's, It's one of those kind of things where he does such a great job of being like, and this isn't even like his character's underside. 
Right. This is on the surface. He's, oh, I'm your friend. I'm your ally. You're actually doing a lot of damage. But then you're doing it. You find out that's all his act. That's all a play. And he's doing it to cover up. So is he acting like the clueless dad that's over wanting to be friendly to cover it up? Or is he really that way? But he's kind of screw you and ha ha. There's duality to it that, again, makes it uncomfortable. And all three of these movies, Jordan Peele movies, they're good discussion pieces. It's okay. We're going to watch Jordan Peele and then let's get some pie and some coffee because we'll probably need to talk about it afterwards. Yeah. The only problem I had with the mother was that I felt like he jumped in with her too fast. It w- it felt like she went from zero to uber bad guy like that. Yeah. There, there wasn't a, there wasn't enough kind of character development for me. I would have appreciated it if, and all of these are long movies, but I would have appreciated it if there was a little, maybe more motherly side that we saw before. For everything going on. Yeah, for everything going on, she really was the alpha in the relationship. She, and like when the grandmother, who is the maid, has that little blurb because the process wasn't perfect. She's, why don't you go lay down? And she took control and took charge. And she kept the husband under check at times. So even though it was showing a male-dominated thing, she really was the alpha when you look at it. And who was doing what? And the daughter got the best people for them to use and that i get in some ways that explains the brother then too the movies us is like that also the men in the family are not the strong and smart ones they're not the ones that really take care of business yeah i think maybe because she was such a she was like you were saying she was such a driving force in the process that's why i wish that her character would have been a little more developed yeah and I think he's, I don't know. Peel has said that uh, the sunken place was meant to represent how Native African-Americans are marginalized because no matter how hard they scream, the system silences us. And it, you can see that in the imagery that he used. He's just like, you're sinking. It reminded me a lot of Beneath the, Under the Skin with oh. Scarlett Johansson. The whole thing where she's taking these guys into the house, the house they're being consumed and they sink below the floor and they're just like sitting there looking up, but there's no traction. There's nothing to get a hold of. You're just stuck there. You can't get out. Uh, go ahead. And again, Steven Root does a great job. He plays a great blind guy for someone who's not blind. There is this scene where Kaluuya goes upstairs and the entire party is going on. And when he goes upstairs, everything stops. Yes. And it really felt like a nod to Rosemary's. If you've seen the original Roman Polanski to Rosemary's baby, there's this whole thing where everybody in the entire apartment building is there with some sort of secret plan and they're acting completely normal when she's around. But as soon as she leaves the room, they're all like whispering to each other and stuff. Um, As you said, the other thing he uses the silence and sound a lot because when they're doing the bingo auction, it's all quiet and silent. And in Nope, that it starts off, they hear the screams of the people, but you don't quite know what it is. So he does incorporate sound into the mystery and what he's doing at times. Yeah. He actually cites Rosemary's Baby and Night of the Living Dead as influences on this film. Nice. I, it, I actually, Get Out feels like not unlike Midsummer, as a variation yes. on the Wicker Man. Absolutely, yes. The whole thing turns, and this is, it's always a beef for me. Why has it got to be some kind of artist? So <laughs> Kaluuya's got to be a photographer, because there's no other professions in the world that we can make movies about, except artists and musicians for some reason. Oh, and writers. Yeah. We can make movies about writers. And that's mostly Stephen um, King. <laughs> yeah, yeah because he's so prolific so at first i was annoyed by it but then he does this thing where he takes a picture of walter and it like triggers that coming back to himself and so it actually had a plot device it made sense because he needed to get the camera there he needed the flash to go off again just with the whole art thing 
I don't know. It, a lot of the movie at times, especially after seeing it a second time, did seem a little heavy handed to me. Like the auction thing. Yeah. That just felt like a direct parallel to the slave trade. And I get it. But surely there were a million other subtler ways that they could have done that besides getting all together in their Sunday best and raising their, because what happens if for some reason the guy comes back through? That was, that was the daughter's job. Keep him away. And she was very good at her job, obviously. I suppose. I, and once he got captured, the the first time I watched it, it was a little on edge watching it. What was really going to happen, but you figured he had to get out, get away. But the second time I watched it, once it hit that point, the rest of the movie felt like a more typical horror movie because you kind of, I know he's going to oh, yeah. get free and I know what's going to happen pretty much. So that for me didn't hold up as well the second time. Though, yeah. though finding out that for sure that that was the grandmother as the old maid, that was like, oh man, now I see that. That was a nice little twist there. And I agree. By the time you're watching it the second time, when it kicks on, it's just a matter of when the scene opens up, picking which item in the room is he's going to use to kill somebody with. Oh, he's going to use the antlers here. He's going to. And the thing with the deer and the antlers, because they had the deer at the beginning, and then that suit of armor on the car thing. Those are there's two scenes that he cut out, and that's why they focused a lot on that. But then it was like, man, eh, not much with it. Same with the suit of armor. But I applaud him as the movie maker storyteller because so many times we either don't get all the little things to build up and we wonder why they do that. And I'll point to star Wars as a bunch of that going on in later movies, or we get the thing where they leave it in and it, it wears down the movie. So good to him to decide I'm going to take these out to make the overall movie stronger. So yeah. sometimes though, it does just make me a little sad. Cause like in the first Avengers movie, there's that whole thing with the waitress. Yes. And, and, they cut it all out and they did it in such a way that she appears once or twice. She still has a scene or two, but like the whole romance thing with Steve, you know, this kind of, yeah. Oh, you're America's ass kind of thing. That all just disappeared. Yeah. And it's too bad because it was a nice little subtext to the story that they could have thrown in there. Even stronger was the one they cut out in Thor. Cause he's, he's in there and he says, bring me another and breaks the cup. A scene they cut out was once he starts learning about how to treat people and humility, he goes and buys a mug and takes it back to the place to give it to them as a, I'm sorry, and replace it. And it's 12 seconds long, but they cut that. And I'm like, my biggest complaint with the Thor movie was that he redeemed himself too quickly and they didn't show anything that he did. Yeah, they didn't you know? show any of the growth. Yeah, yeah, that one 12 second scene would have fixed all that. So I did appreciate the fact that he cut it because it didn't necessarily add to what he was trying to say. It was an addendum and he didn't necessarily need it though. I wouldn't mind an extended cut now that I've seen it and I get it. That would be awesome if they would actually do that. My fear is that they've moved on yeah, past it so far. Yeah. It'll have to be like a 25th anniversary thing or something like that. They got all the old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause oh. I heard planes, trains and automobiles. They have a, 40th anniversary deluxe edition and it has 80 minutes of cut scenes <laughs> that they didn't put into the movie wow. they have it as a bonus they didn't add it back in but it was just john candy and Steve uh, Martin acting up or around. saying stuff and adding things and things chris columbus likes to film and then pick and choose what got filmed and put it together into the movie so they always have three days of filming and then they use two hours so <laughs> Yeah, I do love at the end of Get Out that whole thing with his friend. That whole section yeah. was like you have all of this tension building up and then you have this just comedy section thrown in. Yeah. It's the perfect relief before you go back into it. Yeah, dude, um, I told you not to go into the house. It, We're TSA, we handle it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a movie that deals a lot with racial relations between Africans and white African Americans and whites, both historically and currently, with the advent of allies and people who profit from allies and the dynamics of race. So it definitely has a lot to say. And again, one of the things after watching it a couple times, 
was I felt like I was watching a very well-made film, but not unlike Sauna. When we're watching Sauna, there's this disconnect because Sauna was made for Finnish people. Yes. You can sit there and you can appreciate it and you can really just love the hell out of the film, but you're not going to get everything out of it that you would if you were Finnish. And I think Get Out is the same way. You and I aren't going to get as much out of it seeing as how we're not African-American. I agree. Because it's going to speak to them a whole lot more. Agreed. As opposed to us. And I realize us has a lot of racial undertones to it, but they're very subtle. Yeah. So subtle to the point that you could actually say that you could substitute other stuff in it. Yes. It doesn't have to be African-American. It could just be the impoverished. Yeah. Lower classes. And I think that's a good statement from him. It's look, we got this cast. We're focusing on this story. It's African-American. Could have been white, could have been Chinese, could have been Eskimo. It didn't really matter. It could have, we could have redone this and had it Native American. But what it shows is look how successful this was and the story went well. And you don't notice and care if it's white, black, or yellow, or whatever. And here's the statement. It works. You don't have to have the executives going, I don't know if we'll make money on this movie if we do that casting choice. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, like I said, it because anybody can understand fear of the other. Everyone at some point in time has been scared of either being, being the other, being the lone person who no one else gets or being with people and seeing the other coming the whole thing with immigrants right now people coming up to the border they're all carrying drugs no most of them are starving women just take a step back it's gonna be okay (laughs) it's one of those kind of deals where you have this other thing and as long as you keep it as an other it's okay to be scared of it it's okay to beat its head in with with a golf club that's fine as long as it's the other and then when you get to the end of the movie and it turns around that the mother who's been with them this whole time is the other, all of a sudden it's, oh, wait a second. So all of those people and all the horrible things that just happened didn't really need to happen because look, right, and you can come from the other and be one of us. And you could also say it, it shows, like you said, the other, the fear of the other, the people that control the other control you. Because that was the point. They were created to control the people up top. And that's even scarier. What happened to the people that started all this? The ones that were controlling it? Where'd they go? What happened to them? So that's disturbing. Yeah, I saw a really interesting, and just in case, I realize it's not like they showed in the movie. It's not there's going to be working escalators and stuff down there and well-lit. Yeah, right. Stairway to hell. (laughs) But I saw this documentary where they were following people who lived in the subways in New York. And they would spend most of their day above ground, like scavenging, salvaging stuff and like cashing in recyclables and things to buy things they need. And then at night they would go down into the subways and they had these little nooks and crannies just carved out. You couldn't see them from standing down by the tracks or anything. But if you knew they were there, you could go up. There's a little, little blanket hanging over it. You'd go in. It was lit. There was like a hot pad. It, it wasn't luxurious living by any stretch of the imagination. But it was just this reminder that, hey, there's like life going on down here that you don't even know is here. Yeah. And most of the time, even if you see it, you turn your head away because you don't really want to think about it. And I think that was part of the Hands Across America thing was to, hey, look at us, we're here, and bring that up. Again, these are pretty dense movies. There is a lot you could probably pull out of it, and different people can interpret different things their own way. So they do deserve a good watch and sometimes maybe a second watch. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And there's this really, for instance, there's this really cool little subtle thing that happens. Addie, from the start of the movie, she's wearing like light-colored clothing. And from the minute that the people from underground who pop up wearing these orangish red jumpers, when she starts fighting them, her shirt becomes more and more reddish orange. Yeah. Uh, Just it's like this little hint at the start that, hey, you know what? She's actually one of them kind of deals. It's a very well-built thing and it's very subtle. I also like, again, like I said earlier, he chooses 
interesting, what you don't expect. They're all carrying scissors, not guns, not knives. It's scissors. They destroy the world with scissors. That's something you wouldn't expect, but it's also, I don't even know what to really think about that. That was a big marketing part of the movie. And if you think about it though, a good pair of scissors, like a good pair, like upholsterer scissors, far more useful than just a knife. True. And they were talking about, it. they were cu cutting the tether, kind of adipose or whoever does that with the. Yeah. But same thing with the rabbits. Rabbits makes tons of sense because they breed super easy. They'll live anywhere as long as you give them something to eat. What a great way to feed an entire colony of people living underground. Yes, but I also took the rabbits as that's what they were using to for because the old thing was using rabbits to check if you were pregnant. So I, I, I thought the rabbits were being initially used as part of this genetic breeding process. So again, there's no real answer in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's very appropriate because we're really rapidly running out of time yeah. that we now talk about Nope. Yes. Because honestly, Nope really, in my mind, has the least oomph of all three of these movies. Agreed. I think I'm betting it was much bigger budget. He had the money to do our stuff, which I'm not saying ruined it, but maybe it was actually he had too much budget. That's probably a discussion. It's over two hours long, too. Yeah, 210. Yeah, so it, it's one of those kind of things where, I don't know, less would have been more. Get Out was an hour 45, and I thought that felt just the hair long. I thought they could have made a few cuts, bring it down, maybe 10 minutes. It would have been perfect lengthwise. I thought Us was a good length of time, but Nope was just, it was like, it's like a Rush song where they're playing and they're playing, and you're like, oh, they should end it here. Nope. They're going to keep playing and playing. Oh, we're, they should end it here. Nope. They're going to just keep playing. Yeah. And uh, I think I would have liked Nope better if it had been shortened and cut just a little bit. I think it was a little too long getting things out there compared to the other two. Yeah. And I think that's really the problem with Nope is that we can sit here and have a discussion about the good and the bad parts of Get Out. And we can sit here and have a discussion about the good and the bad parts of us. And with nope it's i don't even know if there's bad parts just it was parts yeah i don't yeah. want to say that they were good i don't want to say they were bad they were just they were there and maybe it's because the alien and a creature which is a unique concept for a lot of people that it wasn't disturbing the other two had it was disturbed so it stuck with you a lot more that was to me wasn't really disturbing but i've been involved in that community a little more yeah. and thought about that type of stuff so i understand yes ufos could be creatures <laughs> yeah I, I just i think get out had a theme and us had a theme and nope seemed to have two maybe three and they weren't interconnected they weren't necessarily themes that were woven together they just were all happening there at the same time and it made it a disjointed ride yeah, yeah, I could see that and agree with that, definitely. Yeah. I must say, though, the sister had some great lines, just like the friend had some great lines. So The acting was phenomenal. It was just, I think it was, this one falls on peel, I think, because everybody did a great performance. Yeah, It was absolutely. just a matter of the actual substance of the film, I thought, missed. Yeah, maybe that'll be his title of his next one, missed. Missed. <laughs> I have two smart-ass white boys sitting here talking about well, it. He, it's going to be a podcast reviewing movies, and they're going to get shot or something. We just pissed Peel off, so we'll never be able to talk to him. I don't know. But I don't think we would have. They were all three great Probably movies. Not. Yeah. I, all three of them were better than a lot of movies I've seen, for sure. And, that, and not to diss any movies that are bad, because I purposefully like the B-campy movies on, at times. There's a good point to some of those that I enjoy too. But it, honestly, I think for the most part, we've done what now 33, all the 35 ish movies. And yeah. they're all extremely high quality for one reason or another, even the ones that aren't the best. Take that. <laughs> take that. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> all right. So at a good discussion on that. And honestly, we probably could have sat for a very long time getting in the details on these three movies because they are for all the meetings we have 
Yeah, if we didn't have a life. Yep. All right, so there's our bonus, and uh, we'll be getting on to season four here pretty soon. Season three is getting trickled out. We had a whole hiatus during the holidays. I'm the only one that's heavily into watching Christmas horror, <laughs> and I was True. just way too busy for some of this stuff. I didn't want to kill myself. We'll get back on a schedule, and we'll get this stuff out. We got 10. What is season four again, the topic? Season four, the topic is the same reason why we have to cut this short, jobs employment that's right where you work (laughs) yeah all right man so i'll talk to you later all right take it easy you have been listening to horror lasagna to see all of our seasons and listen to all of the movie reviews with all the themes for each season check out horrorlasagna.com and if you like the podcast like the movies and reviews please give us a like share with a friend subscribe to our Facebook page. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Pass it along. Let people know. Tell us, hey, I liked it. That was a good movie. Thank you. We would appreciate it. The creature slips from perception. Pay attention. It will rise again.